Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. There is something special coming up this weekend, but I am not talking about Mother's Day. I don't know how many of you pay attention to it, but this Saturday is the Kentucky Derby. We always do because at one point in Dave's management IT career, he would occasionally get sent to Louisville. And some of those trips, our family would join him. And one of our favorite things to do was to go to Churchill Downs and go through their museum and see some of the retired winning horses, which has caused us to enjoy watching the race each year. I have even thrown a couple of Kentucky Derby parties where we all wear fun hats and play some games and make guesses on what horse we think will win and cheer them on in that two-minute race. (laughs) In horse racing, there is something called the Triple Crown, and it's the rare event of the same three-year-old thoroughbred horse winning the three biggest races in the nation, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes. A lot of people are familiar with Secretariat, who is one of those Triple Crown winners. There's also a Triple Crown in baseball, which is also rare. It's when a player leads a league in batting average, home runs, and runs batted in, RBIs, in the same season. Attaining the Triple Crown is a rare accomplishment, whether it's in horse racing or in baseball. And unfortunately, it's also a rare accomplishment in our life as a believer in Christ. What is the triple crown for a Christian? Well, that's what I want to talk about. We're going to start today and finish up next week and uh, look at it especially for us as bereaved parents. But first, let's step back into the time before our child left this earth. Did you ever notice how some people seem to live life to the fullest no matter what happened to them? while others struggle under their circumstances? Maybe sometimes you felt like you weren't fully living out what you were put here on earth to do. Did you used to think that there has to be more to this life than what you're experiencing? It's possible to have everything that should bring contentment to our lives but still remain unfulfilled, even as a Christian or a religious person. We can feel stuck between our past and our future even before our child died. And often it's caused by guilt or shame that we carry. Maybe things said to us in our childhood have kept us from stepping out fully into our dreams and giftings. And now we have received the biggest blow possible, making us feel like we can't even survive, much less ever thrive and get to those places. Uh, We don't even have those dreams anymore, do we? And when we're hit so hard, causing us to not fulfill our God-given purpose in life, it leaves us feeling empty and even angry. Some people will deal with it by turning to things like alcohol or drugs, maybe prescription drugs or others, maybe sex outside of God's boundaries. They may try to find it by making a lot of money or gaining positions of power. Some will work hard at it by becoming a better person, by doing a lot of volunteer work, or becoming very active in their church. And these solutions, they seem to work for a while, 
but none of them work long term, and we eventually find ourselves spiraling back down into the dungeon of defeat and despair because we're trying to change outward circumstances to fix an inward problem. The issue isn't what we do, but who we are. We have an identity problem. We live out of false beliefs about ourselves and our circumstances that we accept as truth. And we let what's happened to us define us and become our identity. So what if it were possible to be free from the identity that we live in now of my child died? What if you could live a full life again? What if you could have a life with meaning and purpose again? I believe that is possible. In fact, I believe anyone who feels chained or tormented by their past, including having our child die, can walk in hope and light and meaning and purpose again. So what does all this have to do with the Triple Crown? Well, I call it the Triple Crown Transformation, which is going from no longer being paralyzed by your past, which is see the crown, to learning who you are in God, which is wear the crown, to learning who God is in you, to be the crown. And it's something that I've discovered based on my own life experiences. I'm going to list out a bunch of these things for you because a, a lot of this, most of you don't know about me. You know that I had a daughter that died, but beyond that, here's some of my past history. I grew up as a PK, a pastor's kid, and my parents got divorced when I was in high school. Becoming pregnant at 18, and my mom, when she found out, I told her I had a suitcase packed, and she told me that I might as well leave, and I got dumped by my boyfriend, too. Having a child with bone cancer at age three, resulting in her left leg being amputated and going through nine months of chemotherapy. That same daughter at age 15, taking her dad's car and driving it from Wisconsin to Kansas as a runaway. She only had her temps. She'd only been on the road twice. It was amazing that she drove that far and survived. My oldest son getting into some trouble at 15, causing him to be locked up in the county juvenile detention facility for six months, waiting for a trial and having the county make an example of him by sending him to the state juvenile correctional facility against multiple recommendations for counseling, taking a two-hour drive every week for the next two years to go behind a barbed wire fence with lots of security for a visit with my son and then driving two hours back home. My husband having quadruple bypass surgery at the age of only 48, being falsely accused of something by my pastor and being told that I was no longer welcome to come to that church, dealing with the heart damage that happened to my daughter from one of her chemo drugs when she was three. And as a result, Becca dealt with some extreme health issues. She faced a 50% chance of surviving labor and delivery of her child. She had open-heart surgery to repair a valve. She was too sick to even be put on the heart transplant list, so she had surgery to put in a heart pump to keep it going. And then she had a stroke that greatly limited her mobility, especially with only one leg. She had a bizarre incident that caused emergency surgery, open-heart surgery, to have the pump removed, and then being revived by EMTs from her heart stopping, SCD, sudden cardiac death, recovering from septicemia, blood poisoning with only a 20% survival rate with her heart the way it was. 
During that time, she had at least a dozen ambulance rides. She had three medical helicopter rides to get her back to her hospital as fast as possible. So why am I listing all this out and telling you all of this? Because I feel like it's important for you to know that the triple crown transformation, I call it, is not something that I just made up, but it's something I have learned through some pretty rough stuff. I've learned how to break free of the negative, difficult things in my past that kept me from going forward. I've learned how God's perfect love really does cast out all fear to be able to live in peace and victory despite the storms and the hurricanes the enemy stirs up in my life. I've learned not to let my failures or my circumstances become my identity. It's been a process, and I've learned how to allow the Holy Spirit who lives inside me be a guide to help me stay on course to live out my God-given purpose and destiny. And even though the mechanics of that has changed, the calling itself hasn't. I have always been called to encourage and equip, and I used to do that with children, children's ministry and internationally and nationally, and now I do it for bereaved parents, for you. And if I can learn these things, you can too. Let's start with see the crown, and that's your vision. I know a lot of you have heard me share this, if you've heard me speak, and I usually use this in the area of forgiveness, but I want to use it as an illustration for our vision right now. Do you know why a huge, powerful elephant can be kept in place by just a rope and a small stake in the ground? Because when it was a baby, the owner put a shackle around his leg and chained him to something. And that baby elephant would pull on that chain for weeks trying to get free. And then eventually, he would finally give up. At that point, the chain was no longer necessary. Only a rope and a small stake is needed to keep the elephant in place, which we know the elephant could easily pull up. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to tie the end of the rope to anything. The elephant doesn't know he can't get away. He believes the lie that it cannot break free. All of us have things in our past we feel chained to, and we perivers, we have a very thick chain because it's connected to our child who's no longer here on earth. I want to tell you that it is a lie to think that we cannot ever break free from the suffocating darkness and the pain of our grief. God tells us in John 8, 36, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. And God is either messing with us with that scripture or he is telling us the truth. And I'm telling you, it is the truth. And I have experienced this personally over and over again, including going through the death of my daughter and that suffocating darkness that it put me in. Let me share what I mean by talking a little bit about carrying guilt and shame from our past. And it could be, you know, things that happened before our child died, or it could be guilt and shame that resulted from the death of our child. When I became pregnant at 18, I carried a lot of guilt and shame. And at some point, God revealed to me that Jesus not only paid the price for my salvation, but he also paid the price for my guilt and my shame. One scripture that shows that is Psalm 32, verse 5, and it says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Jesus took 
my guilt and my shame, he took your guilt and your shame on himself, just like he took your sin. Why would I want to continue to carry a burden that Jesus paid to carry for me? That just doesn't make any sense. The same way I received his gift of salvation is the same way I receive his gift of removing my shame and guilt by having faith, simply believing it is true. Can it really be that simple? Yes, it is. How simple is it for you to reach out and take a gift that's being handed to you? It's just a matter of reaching out and receiving it, isn't it? God made things so simple that a child can understand it. Man is the one who complicates it because we have a hard time believing that we don't have to do anything but just receive the gift of what's already been done for us. And if it doesn't make sense to us, we have a hard time accepting it. But if we could bring God down to our level so that what he does makes sense to us, he would no longer be God. He wouldn't be big enough to be God if we could wrap our head around him and everything that he did made sense to us. I will tell you, though, we might not feel the fullness of that freedom that I'm talking about right away. It can be a process, and quite often there are layers of pain and layers of grief that have to be peeled off from whatever it was that caused the guilt and the shame. But I have found the process to be encouraging, knowing that God wants to bring healing to our souls as well as to our bodies. We're familiar with Psalm 23, verse 3, He restores my soul. I like the way the complete Jewish Bible says it. It says, He restores my inner person. And Philippians 1, 6 is another familiar scripture to most of us. We can be confident, confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you, will complete it. As I say this right now, I wonder how many of you think, but he didn't complete that work in our child. How do we know that? Even our child may have misunderstood or maybe they knew they were dying and they didn't want to die. And that whole feeling of they did not get to complete their life. But here we can be confident that God who began a good work in us, who began a good work in our child, was faithful to complete that good work. We choose what we believe. Think about that. We choose what we believe. But believing something doesn't necessarily make it true. Sometimes what we believe is based on false information. Every time I ask God to show me a lie that I have chosen to believe, he reveals something to me. And that's a good thing because it means that I can get rid of it and secure even more freedom in my life to fulfill my purpose, even as a mom who has buried her child. When our daughter Becca had cancer at three years old, we had a pastor who helped us to not blame God, but to see it for what it truly was, an attack of our spiritual enemy, he's called it enemy for a reason, who is trying to steal and kill and destroy us. We had a choice to make way back then. We could believe that the cancer and the amputation was all God's fault for not stopping it, God's fault for causing it, by allowing Satan in this world, whatever, for whatever reason, we could believe it was God's fault and be angry with him for what happened. 
Or we could be angry at Satan for bringing sin and sickness into the world, for the pride that caused him to come against God, which caused him to be thrown out of heaven. And that's what affected our daughter in this horrible way. We chose to pull together and to fight the true enemy instead of fighting God or each other, for that matter. And we're so thankful that we did. My sister Diane is one of my heroes, and those of you that have been to our retreats, you have gotten to meet her because she is our wonderful cook at our retreats. But this is something you probably don't know about her. One night, she was at a Bible study, and she was even talking about giving an illustration of how sometimes God wants us to step off a cliff when we can't see where we're going to land in order to learn trust and trusting in him that he really is taking care of us. He really is going to be there for us and hold us up. And she had no idea at that exact moment, her dream home that they had built on several acres of wooded land was burning to the ground. Her family, her husband and five children, were left with literally nothing but the clothes on their back and whatever was in their van. They have had to replace everything from bath towels to paper clips to holiday decorations to uh, books to the classical musical instruments her children played. Some of those things will never be replaced, such as the antique chair that had been passed down through our family for several generations or her wedding album to her marine husband or photos of her children when they were born and as they were growing up. All seven of them have been affected by this huge loss from time to time, thinking about something that they lost, something they wish they had again. And they're going to be affected by this for the rest of their lives. The only way Diane has been able to work through this traumatic event and come out on the other side with victory and joy is because she refuses to let her loss become the enemy's gain. She's made the choice to not let the past be a mortgage for her future. She has refused to be chained to the devastation of her loss by feeling sorry for herself, but she's going forward, pressing into what God still has for her life and her family. Before we were born, before we were even conceived, before our grandparents were even conceived, God knew everything that was going to happen to us in our lives. He knew we would mess up from time to time and already had a plan in place. He also knew that we would have hard things thrown our way. God was not blindsided by the death of our child like we were. And it's up to us to choose to take this and see how it fits into what God still has for us. A turning point is when we realize our destiny isn't so much about what we get handed in life as it is what we do with those things that we are handed. Believe me, I am not trivializing the death of our children. I'm just trying to help us see things from a different perspective through God's eyes of eternity to see the crown, to have a vision for our future that we still have, a good future here on this earth, not just a future when we get to heaven with our children, but a future here on earth. So let's go from seeing the crown, our vision, to wearing the crown, which is learning who you are in God. 
As we start going through the process of breaking the chains that have kept us from going forward in God's plan for our lives, he can begin to give a deeper revelation of who we are in him. If we choose to be a victim and stay in the darkness of our grief, the enemy is winning the battle for our life here on earth. But once we get rid of the lies and we replace them by putting on truth, it changes things and it brings us into the light we so desperately need. Remember, there are two spiritual kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Colossians 1, 12 and 13 talks about being his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Now, I think it's important to recognize here that there are times we are going to be thrown into darkness. When we're thrown into darkness, we're thrown into the kingdom of darkness, the enemy's kingdom. But we don't have to stay there because through Jesus, we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, from it ruling over us, from darkness ruling our lives and being what we live under and where we live. We don't have to stay in that darkness. I know when our child first dies, that darkness is heavy and it's suffocating. I didn't even know that kind of darkness existed. And it's something that we have to fight our way through. But we have to want to fight our way through and we have to cry out to God to help us. And, and sometimes we'll just get a, just the smallest glimmer of light and then it disappears and, and we don't understand why. Because the kingdom of darkness is warring for your soul. He's your enemy. And so he's going to fight this. But we have been rescued from the dominion of it. Without seeing and understanding the king and the kingdom we pretty much just go through the motions here on earth while waiting for the king to return someday or waiting for us ourselves to die and be out of here. And for those of us who've lost a child, we do feel like at first that we're just living in a shell waiting to die. That's how I felt. And I knew I could not live the rest of my life that way. God's kingdom is here on earth now. And his kingdom is in us. And we are in that kingdom. Romans 14, 17 tells us the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I know that is something we really struggle with when our child dies, especially the peace and the joy. I have had to fight for joy, especially and I am determined that is a fruit of the Spirit, that seed is in me. And there are some podcasts I have done specifically on getting our joy back and what does that mean to have joy in the Holy Spirit. So you can look those up. Um, I encourage you to listen to those if that is an area that you struggle in and that you, you want joy back in your life. I personally believe the miracles God does on the inside of us are so much greater sometimes than the miracles that we physically see with our eyes, the, the physical healings. Only God can change a heart. Only God can erase pain, remove guilt, or make something good out of something so horrible that caused so much damage. Only God 
can give true peace. Only God can give joy in the midst of something so dark. Don't discount the kingdom of God that is at work deep inside of you. And that work is so deep that you can't even feel it right now, a lot of you. There are those who absorb what life hands them, and they either just keep trudging along and they just keep weighing them down heavier and heavier, or they let it paralyze them. And then there are those who take what life hands them and they use it to climb higher, helping them build a legacy to leave behind, which I believe we all want to do for our child so that our child will be remembered even when we are no longer here. Which one will you be? So this week we talked about seeing the crown, wearing the crown, and next week we're going to look at the third crown, being the crown. If you've heard more than one episode of the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast, you know how I end each one with an acronym for the word HOPE, H-O-P-E, hold on, pain eases, there is hope. I never say pain ends because it doesn't with the death of our child, but it really does ease. A year ago, this past April, we wanted to make some shirts available for our listeners with that saying on them. We planned on doing it just for the month of April. That was Becca's birthday, but we were able to make them permanently available. And since I haven't talked about them for a while, I thought I would let our newer listeners know about them. You can get short and long sleeve t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts. There's more than that even and in various colors. So to take a look and to place an order, just go to our website, gpshope.org. Click on the store tab and then go to what's called the Hope Merchandise. I will also put a link in the show notes that will take you directly to that page and it shows all the different selections. And just so you know, anything that you purchase goes directly into GPS Hope to help us continue providing resources and support for bereaved parents. Let's go ahead and get to our birthdays this week. Nicholas Barrett Graves was born on May 3rd and is forever 23. Shannon Olson was born on May 3rd and is forever 19. Alexandre Simos was born on May 3rd and is forever 9 months. Rosalie Marstall was born on May 4th and is forever 4 years old. Herman Jobert was born on May 5th and is forever 21. Adam Walker was born on May 6th and is forever 28. John Patrick Keck was born on May 7th and is forever 23. We know how important our child's birthday will always be, and we celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. If you would like to have your son or daughter announce the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do so. Just go to gpshope.org birthdays. Fill out the info, including how to pronounce the name if it's different than it looks because I want to say their name correctly, and hit the submit button. Like I said at the beginning, Saturday is the Kentucky Derby. They will be getting ready to race around 545 Central Time just in case you want to watch it this year. And then the next day, 
is Sunday. And as we all know, this Sunday, May 8th, is Mother's Day. It is one of the hardest days of the year for many of us. I often wish there wasn't such a day. But I have come to realize that even though I have a child who isn't here, I know that I was still a really good mom to her. Not perfect. I can look back and see all kinds of things I could have done differently, maybe should have done differently. But I really was the best mom I could be. And that means I still deserve to be honored and blessed as a mom. And I believe that for you as well. You deserve to be honored and blessed as the mom of your child who isn't here and of the mom of those of you who have children who are still here. I encourage you not to hang on to the identity of being the parent of a child who died. Instead, be the parent of your child who lived. Even if they did not have life outside the womb, he or she had life. Ask God to show you how to live in a way that honors his or her life, that also gives your life meaning and purpose again, not in spite of your child's death, but because of his or her life. Until next week, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is 